Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3, and then we're going to look at a few verses out of this chapter. In verse 3, the Bible says, And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah, and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Must Do Things God's Way. Say God's way. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for giving us your way. Thank you, God, for your word that teaches us what you would have us to do, that reveals you to us, God. I pray that today you would reveal yourself through your preached word, through your written word through your spoken word. God, I pray that you'd anoint me to say what you'd have me to say and anoint us today to hear what you'd have us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. We must, I thought we didn't have screens. We must do things God's way. If you don't get anything else, get the title. We must, there's a way to do everything. Do you believe that? Some, some people say there's a right way, a wrong way, and my way. You know you're dealing with a hard charger at that point. Now, there was, there was a right way, a wrong way, and the Army way when, when I was in the Army, and the Army way was the only thing that mattered. But if you consider yourself a soldier in the Army of God, if you consider yourself a child of the living God, then you got to realize that our Heavenly Father has a way that He wants to do things, and that way is described in the Bible. So many people have listened to YouTube videos about how much Jesus hates church and how much Jesus hates religion. Let me remind you something. Jesus went to church all the time. Jesus never hated church. Jesus never hated organized, structured religion. And everything that we know about God, we know comes from a very organized and structured methodology. And God has a way that he wants everything done. And we're going to read a story right here over a few verses that talk about how David, the king of Israel, wanted to do something good, but he had his own theory about it that didn't line up with God, and it didn't work out great for him. And I want to tell you, it always ends like that. When you want to do something good your way and not God's way, it always ends up bad. When you want to do something that is a good idea but not a God idea, don't get mad when God messes up your plan, all right? Let's, let's look at what is going on here. The whole point is this. The Ark of the Covenant is no longer in Jerusalem, and David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. David has just defeated the Philistines. He, he's riding high. He's like, what's, what's one last thing we can do? We need to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of God in Jerusalem. The Ark represents the presence of God. The ark represents the, the blessing of God. And he wanted to bring the ark back to his city because it had been gone for a long time because the Philistines had hijacked it and then it had gotten moved and it hadn't been in Jerusalem. But in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, the scripture says, And David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Whew, 30,000, that's... I mean, I'm saying typically when you see a list of things, it, it's not the top 30,000, all right? If you're going to watch the 10 best dunks in NBA history, that, that, that's something worth watching. But if you had to watch the 30,000 best dunks in NBA history, that would be a little tedious and time to go do something else. He says the 30,000 of the chosen men. Man, they must have had a lot of people to pick from if narrowing it down got to 30,000. But these were a lot of people, say a lot. He takes 30,000 people to do this one job, 30,000 of his best men. The reason he grabbed his best men is because he knew how important his job was. He knew that when he's trying to do something that, that could really be great, 
that the enemy might try to oppose him. So he got 30,000 of his best soldiers. Verse 2 says, And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwells between the cherubim. Okay, so here's this box, this ark of the covenant. If you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, you, you, you saw Indiana Jones trying to steal this box that is called the Ark of the Covenant. And that's exactly what it is. It's a box. The word Ark in Hebrew means box or chest. It's not unlike some hope chest that you might see or some of those little things you sit on at the foot of a bed to put your shoes on. It was a box. It was a box made out of wood, completely overlaid with gold, solid gold top on it. The lid was solid gold. God calls it the mercy seat. And on top of the lid were two angels facing each other with their wings spread out, which was to represent where God dwells. And God met with Moses at the ark. God met with Moses to talk to him at this box, and it represents the presence of God. It was only three feet nine inches long. It's just this long. It's not a huge box. It's, it was two, two feet three inches wide and two feet three inches high. It, it, it just, is, is, this, is this tall and is this wide? So this is the box. It's overlaid with gold on all sides and on the inside and on the bottom. The lid of it, completely solid gold. Two angels facing each other, wings spread out. And this is where the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament. Let me check with my Bible scholars real quick. Where does the presence of God dwell in 2017? In us. Jesus said when he went to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit who would be with us as he was with us. But not only would he be with us, but he would be in us. We are in a different time frame than they were in then. But this box was where God hung out. This box did a lot of cool things in the Old Testament. I'm not going to take time to get into all of it this morning. But it had four rings. It had a ring on each corner. And Two rings on one side, two rings on the other side. They put poles, wooden poles, through the rings, wooden poles covered in gold. And on those poles, the Levites, only the sons of Kohath, were allowed by God to carry this thing. See, it's very important. Some people are, can do stuff that other people can't. <laughs> I'm going to keep moving. But this is, this is the box, this is the ark that David is going to get. It's the place where God dwells the last time the bible mentions the ark is in first samuel chapter 7 it's been at the house of this guy named abinadab for about 70 years and david's motive to bring it back to jerusalem was right listen he had the right motive did you hear me he had the right motivation his thinking was right his heart was right but we're about to find out that the road to hell is paved with good intentions we're about to find out just because your heart and your mind and your thoughts are right, you still got to do it right. So in verse 3, the Bible says, And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Verse 4 says, And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, harps, psalteries, timbrels, cornets, and on cymbals. So here's the deal. They get this ark. They go to where the ark of God is, the ark of the covenant. They go to this place. Inside this box is the Ten Commandments that God gave on the mountain. Also inside this box is a jar of manna that God rained down from heaven to feed his people before they crossed over into the promised land. And the third thing inside this box is the rod of Aaron, which showed the power of God and the anointing of God on the family of Aaron and the Levite people in general. So they go, they grab this box up. 30,000 people go, they grab this box, they get a brand new cart. Because, you know, if you're going to carry something important, you want, you know, new, new car. If you got a whole bunch of new clothes, you don't want your molded, 
greasy gym bag to carry them in. You'll go get a new piece of luggage. Well, they got a brand new cart because they thought, oh, this would be cool. We, we'll, we'll get this new cart and we'll set the ark of God on top of the cart. Here's the problem. Transporting the ark on a cart was specifically against God's command. God had laid out commandments in Exodus 25 and Numbers 4 of how this ark should be moved and only how it should be moved. God has said repeatedly in the Bible not to touch the things that he calls holy. And this ark was holy to God, and it was supposed to be holy to his people, but they put it on an ark, and they carried it in a way that wasn't supposed to be carried. Not only did they carry it in a way it wasn't supposed to be carried, they carried it by people who weren't supposed to carry it. Everybody's not designed to carry the ark of the Lord. The ark of the Lord represents what ancient scholars call the burden of God. If you read the Old Testament, you'll, you'll find things that say stuff like, and the burden of the Lord was upon Jeremiah. That's why when I find preachers that are always smiling and everybody's happy with them, I understand. They, they, I know they don't understand the depth of God. They don't understand the holiness of God. They don't understand the seriousness of the proclamation of God's word because there is a burden that comes with doing what God has called you to do. And so they're doing this thing in the right mindset. They're even gone out and purchased a brand new cart to do it in. They, they, they're, they're playing music, they're celebrating, they're, they're, they're offering all this worship up to God. And, and, and think about what they must be thinking. Ooh, look at us. We're singing to the Lord, we're shaking our tambourine, we're banging cymbals, we, we, we got a beautiful cart, we're carrying the presence of God with us. We got a brand new cart for God. Aren't we cool? Aren't we happy? I like what one theologian said. He said that new technology and luxurious buildings can never cover disobedience to God's word. See, this is how we try to impress God in 2017. Technology, laser light show, fog machine, dim the lights just right and play the right kind of music. Where in the Bible do you read any of that? Oh, but, our, but we're trying to do something good for God. But are you doing it God's way? Uh, <laughs> let me keep moving. The, the, the question that you should ask if you read this passage and you understand what's going on is, why, why is God so concerned about whether or not this ark is carried by people on poles? Why, why, why can't you put it on a cart? Why does it matter what family they come from? Listen, we need to understand this. God has his way. Too many people were raised in homes where their parents allowed them to ask why. And that hurt them theologically. They question. Children that question adults will have a problem with authority all their life. My children do not question me in my home. Because it's my home. They cannot go in their bedroom and close their door for some very specific reasons. Why can't y'all go in your bedroom and close your door, Jake? Huh? Because it's mine. That bedroom belongs to me, and that door belongs to me. And in my house, we'll do things my way. Okay, well, we're talking about God. God owns the whole universe. So it, people ask, well, well, why should I do it God's way? Because it's God's world. He gets to make the rules. You sound, you sound like somebody playing Little League Baseball who wants a fourth strike. Well, I got to go sit down because that's strike three, Junior. Grab some bench. Well, what if I think there should be four strikes? It ain't your game. You don't make the rules. You're just playing. You're just a, a spoke in a wheel. I told you I don't negotiate with terrorists. 
I just don't. When I, when I say, well, put that can down, walk, walking through Walmart buying groceries, put that can down. I'm just stunned. All I'm thinking in my mind is, what in, in 13 years of living makes him think I want to see him picking up that can right now? If I say, put that can down, and he looks at me and says, why? I'm not entertaining that. My mother raised me right. My mother, I asked why once or twice in my life before I wised up and realized it ain't worth bleeding over. Why? Because I said so. That's my mom's only answer. And you're like, I can't believe you're talking about hitting children. Listen, when you negotiate, and I've seen this, literally. This is not just part of my act. I've seen this repeatedly. Some mom, well-intending, just not obeying God's rules, loving her children, but just not the way God said, because God said to discipline them with physical discipline. The word says that sometimes words will work for correction, but physical discipline is what God ordained. And I see people in grocery stores, and they, they're like talking to these little four-year-olds. Children, monsters, ah, mm. throw a whole can of green beans down the aisle. Now, Johnny, don't throw things in the grocery store. Why? Because it's not nice to throw things in the... Why? Because they don't like it when... And just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm thinking, I could save you some time. <laughs> Listen, I ain't the biggest dude in the world. But I'm pretty serious. And when I say, hey! They tend to hide behind mom's legs and stop throwing cans. God has a way of doing things, and we can't say, but I meant well, and expect God to be cool with that. If you have a dish that grandmama left you when she died on your counter that your children know they ain't supposed to play with, you come home from work and it's shattered on your kitchen floor. And they've been told their whole life, don't touch that dish. And then they tell you, but it had dust on it and I was just going to wash it and it dropped. Does that make it unbroke? Does that mean their behinds ain't going to get broke? Let me keep moving. God has a way. They thought they were doing something good. They, they wanted God's presence in Jerusalem. They, they needed the ark to get to Jerusalem, but they left out some very important details. They left out what God said. God is our Father. He is in charge. We got to listen and pay very close attention to what God says. We want the presence of God. But too many times we try to hitch God's presence to our carts. And God never intended to put his presence on carts. But too many times we, we want God's blessing in our life, but we want him to bless our mess the way we're doing it, not his word the way he said it. God always blesses his word, but he's not going to bless our mess. So, so many times we, 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 we try to do the right stuff. We, we, we try to put stuff together. We, we put these big promotions together, and we ask God to bless the promotion. But what we should have been doing is asking God how to put together the promotion to make sure we weren't violating what he's told us to do. New carts. We want to we, we, we put forth our best effort to do things our way. And when it contrasts with what God's way is, we get in trouble. See, the, the, the lie of the devil is to try to get you to think you need something new. Uh, uh, a new lean on theology. Uh, a new word from the Lord. Uh, a, a new outlook. Uh, a new something from God. I, I love what John Wesley said. He said, it's not new things we need. But the, he said, the only thing new that we need is new fire in our bellies to fall in love with God. 
We don't need new stuff. They didn't need a new cart. There was a way to carry that. God would have blessed them carrying that cart to the city of God. But they didn't do it God's way. Here's what's funny, weird, strange, unusual to note. The Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 6. We're reading 2 Samuel chapter 6. Last month we read 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, the Philistines grabbed a cart up by hand, threw it on a cart with a bunch of false idols, transported it successfully, and God never said a word to them. Anybody know why? God expects more out of his people than he expects out of people who don't claim his name. I say, I'm willing. Because God, it, it, not because it's my personality. See, this, this is what people think is my personality. I've, I, I, I can remember uh, Cindy's daughter, Amber. Uh, where is Amber? Sick. Uh, Amber still serving in our church. They were founding members, started with us from day one. Amber was younger, uh, 16 years ago. We all were impressionable, coming into young adulthood. I was preaching hard. I was preaching two and a half hours. I was sweating. We were slobbing oil, laying people out. I was preaching nothing but hell hot and eternity long. I was preaching get right or get left. I, I was preaching what God was telling me to preach, and it was a very strong word. And Amber started going around being that way to people at lunch and her friends. And she stopped having friends. And she started communicating with people based on what she saw me communicate through the pulpit. And I finally realized what was going on in her life. And I had to pull her over and I said, look, Amber, I, when, when you see me, hear me in the pulpit, I am doing what God has ordained me to do and saying what God is. I don't treat folk like that at lunch. I don't stand up on top of the table and tell everybody in the room to bow their heads because the anointed man of God is about to pray. Realize those, the me you see here is, is, is what God has ordained and commissioned me to do. Come out to, to uh, the, 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 the 4th of July party on July 1st. Come into the B building where I'm going to be sitting in some air conditioning and drinking a cold drink and, and, and play cards with me. And, and, and you'll see more. You, I, I'm, I won't correct you when, when you play that king first. I'll just take it and laugh. I won't correct you when you play that queen second and the ace is still out there. I, I'm just going to laugh. The me you see in here is not the me always. See, in here, because God has commissioned me to be the overseer of this entire ministry, I am willing to correct every dysfunction that I see in here from adults or children. I'm willing to instruct and correct everybody I see doing something wrong because it's my job to keep things done decently and in order. But I got a whole different level of correction and instruction for them two boys in white polo shirts on the back row. See, I expect more out of mine than I expect out of yours. I'm willing to beat mine. And I'll only beat yours if you sign a waiver. The Philistines did worse than what David and his crew did. God didn't even flinch. God didn't even flinch. You're going to find out God killed a man over this. One of his own. But he let the Philistines get away with doing the same thing just a few chapters back. God is more concerned with how his children live than how non-Christians live. That's why you'll never, listen, if it's your thing, let it be your thing. I'm not going to spend an afternoon boycotting an abortion clinic. I don't support abortion. I don't believe in abortion. The Bible says children are a gift from God. I, I, I don't believe in murder. I, don't, I, don't, I, I believe let God have his way. Uh, I, but I'm not for it but I'm not going to go and, and, and yell and scream at them and say they're the problem. 
I'm not for pornography. I don't believe men, women, or children should put their eyes on pornography. The Bible says to flee you for lust, to avoid fornication, not to get caught up in those type of thoughts. I'm not, but I'm not going to write letters to pornographers and tell them they need to shut down. I'm not for drunkenness. I don't believe you ought to get behind your wheel after drinking 42 ounces of scotch or Hennessy or even beer. But I'm not going to stand out in front of the brewery and say, y'all the devil, and, and we need you out of our town. I'm not for strip clubs. I don't think a man ought to take his rent money and give it to some whore who don't like him in the first place. She's just conning him for his cash. Some of y'all been there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, she likes me. Me and Candy have a relationship. Yeah, she uses you for money, and you're stupid. That's y'all's whole relationship. I'm not for that. But I'm not going to stand out in front of a strip club and say all you strippers are evil. Why? They don't know better. They're not standing up on Sunday morning saying, Hear ye the word of the Lord. God has ordained me to preach his word. Now, if they do that, I'm going to have an issue. God expects more. God, God didn't say when the pornographers and the strippers and the whores and the drug addicts get right, things will get better. He said, when my people get right is when I'll make a move. Quit pointing fingers at other people wanting them to do right. See, they could have went on the whole deal, and this is what folk do today. Go ahead and let somebody get caught. Let somebody get caught breaking the speed limit. Everybody was doing it. Why he had to pull me over? Were you driving 17 miles an hour over the speed limit? But everybody else was. Were you driving 17 miles an hour over? But I was in the line of traffic. He peeled me out. Why? That, 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 that's profile. No, that ain't. That's just you driving 17 miles an hour over the speed limit. We wasn't even supposed to find that bag of weed I had under my seat because he shouldn't have pulled me out. I won't let everybody. Listen, they could have got caught up in why did he kill one of ours when he didn't kill one of them Philistines. But here's what they realized. <laughs> this God's serious about killing people. I'm just get out of here, keep my mouth shut, and going about my business. And it would do well for you. Instead of pointing fingers at other people, or wondering why it worked out better for somebody else, worse for you, worse for them, and better for somebody else. You just mind your business between you and God. Stay in your lane and do the right thing. They got out of their lane. Philistines got out of their lane too, but God wasn't worried about what the Philistines did because they were not his people. So they get this ark. They throw it up on a cart. These two guys, Uzzah and Ahio, they're the sons of this dude named Abinadab. And they're driving the cart. One's in the front, one's in the back. They got this cart on, uh, they, they got this uh, Ark of the Covenant. They got God's box on top of this cart, and they're driving it. Uzzah and Ahio. I talked about this a little bit Wednesday night when we looked at Psalm 15. Uzzah means strength. Ahio means brotherly friendliness. And so this is who you got leading the way. Strength and friendliness. And I like what one commentator said as I was studying it out over the last couple of weeks. I've been looking at this message that so many churches and almost every large church in America is being led right now by Uzzah and Ohio. Strength and friendliness. They got strong organizational skills, strong production skills, strong promotion skills. They'll put together a commercial. They'll have everything on. Everything is produced to perfection. They have strong leadership skills, and they're very friendly. They, they smile at everybody. They never tell you when you're wrong because that's not friendly. They, they never tell you anything that's going to hurt your feelings because that's not friendly. They never point to the per, places in God's Word that might convict you and make you think that you're, you're doing something wrong and you need to change because that's not. We don't need to go any further than the largest church in America. I ain't mad at Joel. I've met Joel. I've had conversation with Joel. I've talked to Joel. I drove Gail out to Lakewood when she was dying of cancer because Joel's mother was healed of cancer. And I wanted to meet Joel's mother. In the course of our time together, I met Joel, Victoria, and Joel's mother. Had Joel's mother, had all three of them. 
Joel's mom prayed first, and then uh, uh, Joel and Victoria prayed for Gail. I'm not mad at Joel, but Joel is not a pastor. Joel is a motivational speaker. Joel is not a theologian, and he told us that in a pastor's meeting one time. He sat in a pastor's meeting full of people, and he said, I am confident that I know less about the Bible than any man in this room. And we all looked at this. <laughs> He's right about that for sure. Joel never sought out to be a pastor. Joel never was called by God to be a pastor. Joel's father, on his, who was a great man of God and a great pastor, his father on his dying bed in a weakened state made a bad decision and told Joel, I need you to be the pastor of this church. Joel tried to refuse that over and over, and his dad made him promise on his deathbed that he would. Be. Joel had a degree in marketing. Joel ran the media. Joel ran the television. Joel, Joel was great at what he did. But his daddy called him to be a pastor in a, in a waning moment. So what, what do we get every time? <laughs> Friends. God loves you, and we're just so glad you came to Lakewood, and God sees you struggle, and he wants to bless you. God sees your struggle, and he wants you to repent. God don't want to bless your struggle. God wants you to repent so he can bless your obedience. I'm not mad at Joel. Joel is strong. Strong in what he does. He wears the best suits. He got a good looking wife. He got a gorgeous church. They put it on TV how it ought to be. But God didn't call him to pastor. That's why when Larry King asked him live on the radio, well, what about people who don't follow Jesus? Will they go to heaven? And Joel couldn't give him a real answer. And Joel said, well, Larry, I believe God knows their heart. And I'm sure they're good people. Every third grader in a real church knows you got to be saved to get to heaven. Every third grader in a real church knows you can't get there without Jesus. But they got strength and they got friendly. And they got a big church. I told my sister, we got... We got uh, some, some pastors in the community, they're my friends. I love them. They wear me out, though. They just so, You ever been around people that were too friendly? I mean, really? I mean, we, we got this guy, and he is, he's a great dude, and I love him, but I, I can take him in just like this much at a time. Because every time I run into him, here's, here's this dude exactly. If you know him, you're going you're gonna to know, know who he is. Pastor Scott! Oh, my God! How you doing, brother? Oh, so every time I hear about abundant life, I hear God is just blowing up. Dude, what is God doing in your life? It is amazing. I just can't, I can't believe I'm standing here with you. We're in a, we're in a cancer ward right now, preacher. In a hallway, you're screaming. I just, but friendly, and I told my sister, if I was half as friendly as that dude, we'd have 5,000 people coming to church every week at Abundant Life. But God didn't ordain strong and friendly to run stuff. God called who he called. Let me keep moving. You got strong and friendly running things. Uzzah and his brother, Ohio. And too much of what's happening for God in our generation is about big production. Strength and friendly leading out front without ever asking God how they should do it. I'm sure David prayed for God to bless what he was doing, but he didn't follow how God told him to do it. And that's the problem. He did, that's, that's why some of the largest outreaches churches have throughout the year, and I've, I have friends, and they tell me, our church doubled after our Halloween production. We gave away so much candy. We had a helicopter fly over and drop candy. And the whole neighborhood came out. And we gained 400 new members that month. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord for your new members. 
But I'm not celebrating the devil's holiday, and I'm not giving out candy to children that don't need sugar to begin with. Is it about what works? Is it about what's right? See, we got people who believe that the end justifies the means. Well, I didn't exactly do it all legal, but I gave half of it to the Lord. So God, no. No, the how is important. And Uzzah and his brother had to learn this. So they're out there, they're playing music, they're celebrating, the, the instruments are, I mean, they're, they're on point. Everybody, skilled musicians, David's a phenomenal worship leader. I mean, it's the best, 30,000 people being led by the man who wrote the book of Psalms. 30,000 people being led by the greatest worship leader on the planet. Instruments going, that worship was off the hook. I'm telling you, this made every worship leader you got in your mind right now look soft and weak. This is 30,000 people, sure enough, throwing down great music, great leading. And so many times, whether in this room or churches we visit or places we've been to before, people in our generation judge a worship experience by how it makes us feel. Or even a preaching experience by how it makes us feel. If you ever heard somebody say, ooh, pastor was preaching today. And you say, well, what, what, what was he preaching about? Girl, I don't know, but he was preaching. That's not God. That's performance. That's just performance. That's not, that's not God. If the worship is, just makes you, if you just love it, you love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Favorite song, you just like everything about it, you need to really check your heart. Because our worship service, this worship service 3,000 years ago, was never designed to make us feel good. Our worship service is designed to reflect our love and make God appreciated. Well, Pastor, I just, I just, I just, I just, I enjoyed our worship service back uh, when so-and-so was leading. We ain't doing no worship service for you. Come to me with that. You're going to get checked. Well, I, I just, I, I, it's hard for me to worship to these songs um, because they're just not, it's just, it's just not my favorite kind of music. We're not picking songs for your favoritism. Oh, well, I'll just quit and go to church where I like the music. Go. We were church before you got here. We've been church when you leave. It's not that I want you to leave. I want you to get your mind right and understand that our worship is not for us. Our worship is for God. It ain't designed to make us feel good. Every survey proves the same point. The number one thing growing churches today is the music. The music. I came out of a church <laughs> that pays all their musicians. We don't pay ours. Jeff ain't never took a dime for, for, for leading this worship team. Y'all ought to give God praise for that. Never a dime. We never paid any of these musicians a penny. We don't pay people to work in nursery a penny. That's just their service to God. You love to play guitar? Come on and play it. I came out of a church. They paid every musician on stage huge. Listen to this. Their bass player played one time a week, Sunday morning only, because he needed sleep from being at the club all night, Friday night, Saturday night. $700 for four songs. I fake my way through playing bass for $700 right now. But guess what? Their music is impeccable. They are tight. Their band is so tight. It is incredible. World-class musicians. They got a guy on saxophone that can mimic anything you say. It's incredible. First time I heard it, the preacher said, ain't the Lord all right? And you just mimic what he said with no sheet music, no nothing. And just incredible musicianship, and everybody that goes there is blown back by the music. And music is what grows the church because they hear music before they ever hear the preacher. They've already decided that they like it or they don't like it before they ever hear the preacher. 
but they like the music. They like the music. Ooh, I just love going to church, getting my praise on. Getting your praise on. That ministers to you. Is God in your thought process anywhere through that? I just got to get my sweat on. Okay, I get that. Do that at home. Or do it here. But always realize that praise and worship is for an audience of one. And the one ain't you. And it ain't me. It's God. Their, their worship was tight, I promise you. Their, their musicianship was skillful. They had the best worship leader on the planet, but God was displeased. Don't judge a worship experience by the sound of the music. Don't judge a worship experience by how it made you feel. Judge a worship experience by did you personally give worship to God while everybody else was doing whatever they were doing. See, that's what makes it a good worship experience or a bad worship experience. Did you pour your love out on God? It's not about the production. They had their production down, but they were not pleasing God. Verse 6 says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. So they're riding on the cart. Worshiping, singing, dancing, getting their praise on. Come to Nacor's threshing floor. This is a part of his property where he would thresh the wheat. A box with a screen in it, put the wheat in it, shake it real hard, throw it up in the air. The wind would blow off all the junk, called the chaff. The wheat would settle down to the bottom of the box. Same way we sift out flour in little screens. Old school, y'all don't know nothing about that. But so this whole area that they were passing over on Nacor's land right now where he did his threshing was filled with wheat stalk, garbage, chaff, stuff that, that was thrown to the side, and so it made the ride bumpy. And so as they go across this, the, the, the ox shook the cart, and Uzzah puts forth his hand to steady the ark of God, to which many would say, good looking out. The ark was about to fall. This dark of God. You can't let the ark of God fall, can you? So, once again, man's just trying to do a good thing. Just, 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 just looking out. Verse 7 says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against us. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Now, if you look at this, this might make you want to quit Christianity forever. Seriously. This dude named Uzzah is obeying the king. He's part of the worship procession. Him and his brother serving hard, harder than everybody else. They loaded this thing up. They're, 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 they're driving the cart. Everybody else is a side note. And God killed him while he's trying to do something good. God strikes him dead. What kind of God? would be willing to do that. The only one that is really alive, Jehovah. Because the God of this book is serious about obedience. The God of this book values his word above my life. That's what we miss in 2017. We think we're the most important thing in the world. God said he's elevated his word above his name. God's serious about people keeping his word. They get to this threshing floor, he reaches out, he steadies the ark, but this was strictly forbidden. God had said in Numbers 4.15, don't do it. You're like, well, that's some obscure Bible verse. How is he supposed to know that? Well, it doesn't really tell us that he knew it. It doesn't tell us that he didn't. Good chance that he did. Um, the Hebrew people were very well versed in the first five books of the Bible. They had to memorize these five books of the Bible before they were 13 years old. So... He, he knew it somewhat, but in the heat of the moment, he forgot it. Should he get a pass? Well, let's don't debate whether or not he should get a pass. Did he get a pass? No, he did not. God told him, don't touch it or you will die. So here's God put in a 
decision-making process. I told him don't touch it or they'll die. He touched it, but he was trying to do a good thing. Does he die? Or do I just say, oh, man, forget what I said. I see your heart. God always stays with what he says, not our intentions, not, not our good hopes, not, not, our, not we try to do the right thing. You, you, can, you need to try to do the right thing, but you need to do it the right way. Because you try to do the right thing the wrong way, it's not going to turn out good at all. Uzzah made a decision in a fast moment to disregard what God told him because it seemed right to him. And this is where people get all messed up in 2017. They get their feelings involved, and they get their ideas involved. Well, what I think, and I, and I get this. Dina's sat in there many times. Deacon West has sat in there many times. People want to come and say, Pastor Scott, here's what I think needs to happen. Really? And, and I could, you know, go all crazy and be like, are you the pastor? I don't do that. What I do is I say, well, what verse of Scripture would you use to back that up? Because we got scripture for why we do stuff. Well, I don't have, I, and I've had people tell me, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what God spoke to me. Well, it's time for you to go start your own church. Do it your way and watch it fail. We got to stay with what God says. He made a hasty decision based on what he felt was right. Get out of your emotions, church. Stop worrying about what you think is right. Stop worrying about the way you think things should be and trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to, y'all don't know that song. Hallelujah. God struck him there dead because God had to fulfill his promise. Because everything in this book will always come true. Violate a principle in this book and death has happened. It may not happen today. And here's the problem with the grace of God. The grace of God covers the grace of God doesn't expose right away. The grace of God will allow you to act crazy for a long time and to do dirt behind the scenes. But by and by, when God decides that's enough and he yanks the covers off you, that's a wrap. And that's why I tell people all the time, if you haven't been exposed, get right with God now before that happens. Don't keep doing what you think is right. Well, I just think that's how it ought to be. People are going to do that in a minute when we pass the bucket. I just don't believe I need to give my money. Okay, let's keep moving. So give me a Bible genius out there. What was Uzzah's mistake? Disobey. It's always that. It's obedience and it's disobedience. From the beginning, God said, I give you a choice. Obey and be blessed. Disobey and be cursed. Uzzah, in a, in a reflex action, in an in instinct, he reached out and he touched that cart, but he had some messed up thinking on the way to doing it. And this is what I told people before. People say, well, Pastor, I, I, I spoke before I thought. No, you didn't. That's impossible. It starts in the brain. Your brain has to tell your mouth to open for those words to come out. You can't think before you can't speak before you think, and you can't move your hand out to grab that ark before you think. It all happened. It might happen quickly, but he had some critical errors in his thinking. Listen, Uzzah erred in thinking it didn't matter who transported the ark. He thought it didn't matter who carried the ark. God said, who would do this? And he's like, but is God really serious? Well, he found out. He thought it didn't matter who transported the ark. And there are people out there today that think that nothing it doesn't matter who does what for the Lord. When God told the apostles in the first century to go to every city and ordain pastors, elders, and deacons that they can lead the churches. Well, I ain't trying to be led by no man. I bow to God only. Well, if you bow to God only, then you have to bow to God's system. Of who he put in charge. Second thing I was aired and thinking it didn't matter how the ark was transported. Well, as long as we get the job done, what does it matter? It always matters. It matters to God because he's holy and he's not playing around. It matters how a thing is done. 
it's not just about the end justifying the means. The third thing, he aired, he, thinking he knew all about the ark because he'd been at his daddy's house for 70 years. Abinadab's had this ark on his property for 70 years. His sons grew up around this thing. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to someone in church is to have been in church for a long time but never really having a relationship with the God of that church. They've been around the ark for a long time, but they had no relationship with that ark. They or no the God of that ark. I was raised in church. You don't have to tell me nothing, Pastor Scott. I was raised in church. I know more Bible than you. But if the, the chance of you knowing more Bible than me is something I'm willing to work on. Let's meet together and find out. But the reality is it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how long you've been in it. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. There is a right way and a wrong way to do everything, and we need to obey what God says, not what we think should happen. Been in his house his whole life. He thought he knew about it just because he'd been around. Coming to church don't make you spiritual. Reading your Bible, saying your prayers, and making good choices every day of your life is what's going to make you spiritual. The fact that you can quote Bible don't make you spiritual. The fact that you raised in church, my daddy set the cornerstone on the big building down. That don't make, that don't make you anything. He thought because he grew up around this thing that it could become common to him. It is shameful the way we treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. If I hear voices raised in my house, the first thing I do, is I yell, we got a big house, I got to raise my voice for them to hear me. What's all that screaming? What y'all arguing about? And they always say one word. Starts with mm and ends with uthing. And it ain't always mm and uthing. God is serious about the way things are done. Every father is serious about the way things are done. Just because, listen, my children been raised in this church every day of their life. This church started when Jacob was in his mom's belly. They've never been alive on this planet when there was not an abundant life Christian fellowship. They can say, I've been, they've been in this church longer than anybody except Amber, Cindy, and Michael. And they can say, well, I've been around longer than everybody. I've, I've been here longer than every deacon in this church. That don't put you in no authority. That don't put you in no leadership. That don't, that don't put you in no position to tell people what to do. Us a thought because he'd been around a long time and knew a lot that he could do things his way. It's never right to do things your way. Fourth thing. He erred thinking that God couldn't take care of the ark himself. This is where we get messed up in church, y'all. People, here's the number one way it manifests. People start talking behind the leadership's back. Criticizing the leadership. We're about to ordain Cedric and Ken. Y'all stand up. We're about to ordain Cedric Dixon and Ken Huff as deacons in the Lord's church. Amen? Hallelujah. Y'all go ahead and sit down. What if, you don't, what if you don't like that? What if you don't think that one of these men ought to be deacons? What if you don't think that, that, that I ought to be the pastor? What, what if you don't think that Dean ought to be the church administrator? What if you don't think that we should pay somebody to, to do maintenance around the church? What if you don't? Listen, you can get around and you can criticize and you can gossip and you can backbite and you can sow discord. Well, I just think somebody needs to tell Pastor Scott boo, 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 and boo. Tell God. Or you come tell me. Make an appointment with me and look me in my face. And let's talk about it. I guarantee you, I, I will not shoot you. I promise you, I will pray with you. I will listen to what you have to say. And we will take it to the word of God. And that's where people get upset. And they storm out the office, don't they, Dina? That's when they get mad. When I show them what the Bible says. But you're always talking about the Bible. I know what works. Time for you to go. Time for you to go. He thought that God.
God couldn't take care of his own ark. I want to tell you something. God can take care of all his stuff. God can take care of his church, his people, his leaders. He doesn't need us. He does not need our involvement to make it happen right. I had a man tell me one time that if it wasn't for the money I give, that church wouldn't even exist. We were at a restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee. I turned my plate over. And I let him know, you can keep all your money, and you don't even have to come back. We were a church before you ever gave a dime. We'd be a church when you quit. And guess what? He never came back, and he never gave another dime. And that's been years ago, and we're still a church, and we didn't need his money then, and we don't need his money now. We need your money. This is our family. We're in this together. This is our community. This is our city. This is our world. We are the people that God chose to come together into this place and bond together as a family and make a difference. I wish I had some help right now. I wish somebody agreed with me. Last thing, other erred in thinking that the ground of Nathan's threshing floor was less holy than his own hand. He thought somehow that his hand was a better thing to touch than the floor that it was going to fall on. And this is what people do in 2017 inside churches. Because these are church folk. They think that they got to put their hand on something. Because everybody else ain't holy enough to make the decisions. Well, they need to hear my opinion. Well, everybody, other people's opinion ain't as good as yours? Well, well, they need to sit down. They, if they do it my way, we'd have more people in here. We're not trying to get more people in here. We're trying to worship God. We're trying to reach the lost and teach the saved how to live successful lives for Christ. If more people come, that's great. But that's not our function. Our function is to gather together as the people of God for worship, for fellowship, for instruction, for discipleship, for evangelism, to reach this community with our efforts. It's not the preacher's job to reach this community. It's my job to tell you it's your job to reach the community. That's what the Bible says. Us a thought, it needed his touch. This church doesn't need my touch. Jeff can tell you, I have never told him one song to pick out. Never. Not one worship leader in 16 years. I, hey, this church has never sang my favorite music. But I'm okay with that because this worship doesn't need my touch. It needs us to worship God whatever comes. Old school Christians say stuff like, what air be tied? And what they meant was, whatever happens, I'm going to keep loving God anyhow. Sing what you want to sing. Preach what you want to preach. Go long because you can't shut up. Do whatever. I'm going to keep loving God because this is where I believe God wants me. If this is where you believe God wants you as a church, if this is where you believe God can speak to your heart and help you become more of the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be, don't be a troublemaker. Even if your intentions are good, don't be a troublemaker. Others' intentions were good. But he was trying to put his hand in places they didn't belong. It wasn't enough for us just to play his role. He had to do it his way. So my last question to you this morning is, are you willing to play your role? Or do you need for things to be done your way? Because if you'll play your role, God will bless you. He will increase you. He will give you a bigger role. But if you feel like it's got to be done your way, Death is coming because the same God of then is the God of today. If you read it, and I'm not going to read it, David gets all scared, gets upset, tried to do the right thing. Look at God killing folk, got mad because he killed Uzzah, named the entire city Perez Uzzah, which means God broke out against Uzzah. 
And what he was saying is God killed an innocent man. He said, take that cart to wherever. And that cart ended up at a dude's house named Obed-Edom. Didn't make it back to Jerusalem. Not on this attempt. Later it did. And David ran away. David ran away. Didn't bring the ark. Let go of God's presence. Forget it. I tried to do something good and it didn't work out. People got hurt. And I'm done. Sound like any church member you know? I tried to do good. And they ain't listening to me. So I'm out. I, I tried to serve God. And my marriage fell apart anyway, so I'm out. I, I, I tried paying tithes and offerings, and I still went bankrupt, so I'm out. What? Out where? Where are you going to go? What, what God are you going to serve? There's only one God. He's the Father of Jesus Christ. There's nowhere else to go. There's only one way to get into heaven. So if you will just realize it's God's world, he makes the rules, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a spoke in the wheel, that's all. I ain't here to drive the thing. I ain't here to steer the wagon. I'm just here to play my role. I'm trying to learn. I'm try I come to church to give my worship to God, pay my tithes, give my offerings, use my gifts and talents for the Lord, encourage people, smile, shake folks' hand, look for hurting people, find ministries like food and clothing to come out and just enjoy serving and doing good, encourage young children at the church so they'll know that the people at God's house care about them. Listen, there is a role for you to play, but it's God's way. Do you want God's way or do you need your way? Because the people that need everything to be done their way are babies. Babies. When you hear someone claim to be a mature Christian, but they got angry and they took their ball and left, that's a punk move and a baby move. God said to reconcile. Babies can't reconcile. Go ahead and get mad. Go ahead, little, little five-year-old, bring his ball. Everybody's sitting on the bleachers. Y'all didn't grow up like this. My sister can tell you, we've been sitting on the bleachers, nobody in the park. No, no ball to play with. We've been sitting on the bleachers, waiting on people to show up. Somebody show up with a ball, we start playing. They don't get to pick. Their, they don't get to be the captain. They, 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 don't, they don't get fouls called the way they think they should. Guess what they do? I have to take my ball and go home. Now y'all can't play without me. Well, you're a punk and a baby. You get to be more grown, you get to be in middle school, hopefully by middle school, if not high school. No matter if you brought the ball or not. We're calling fouls, how fouls going to be called. It don't go good. Two dudes fight each other. You fight the dude that brought the ball. And then when it's over, you dust off and like, no, my bad, man. I, I, well, I was thinking, man, let's just play. See, that's how grown folk handle business. That's how maturity is supposed to act. Well, I just don't like the way things are going in the church. I think it's, my season is up. Find that in the Bible. Find in the Bible where you had a season to connect to a church that God said to plant in. Now my season is up. You can't even move a tree on this property without getting authorization from the, from the local government. Ain't no tree ever decided, oh, my season's just up on Georgetown. I think I'm just replant myself. Go in Orange Park. I, I kind of like Fleming Island. I'm, it's just my season. No, that's a punk move and a baby move. You got your feelings hurt. Tuck your little feelings back in. Repent. If you think there's something wrong, pray and ask God. You'd be rather better off he killed me than he killed you. You don't like what I'm doing? Ask God to put me in line. God got a short chain on me. And if your prayers help me to become a better man, I thank you for your prayers. And if my disobedience causes God to strike me down like he did Uzzah, then I thank God for that too because I'm going to heaven. And if that happens, I pray God give you a better pastor. But in that whole process, putting your hands on it, wanting it your way, getting mad and leaving, none of that's in the Bible.
we got to do a good thing. We got to reach this community for Christ. We're not going to do it dressing up like the Easter Bunny. One of the largest, fastest growing churches. Matter of fact, is the 21st fastest growing church in America is in our city. And every year at Easter, they sucker people to come in by having the pastor dress up in an Easter Bunny outfit, big old giant dude with white suit on, big fluffy ears hanging out. And they have Ola Mills come down and come get your free 8 by 10 with the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny ain't in the Bible. Jesus is in the Bible. I'm not going to present to you the Easter Bunny. I'm not going to present to you holidays that glorify the devil. I'm not going to come up with gimmicks and tricks or how to sucker folk into this church. I'm going to do my best to do what God called me to do, to read this book and cause it to make sense so that we can be who God wants us to be. I hope that's enough because that's what we're going to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for clear instruction, God. I pray that you would make your way more important to us than our way. God, I pray that you would allow us to be mature enough to take our hands off everything that you want done and to trust you to do it. God, I pray that we would stay in our lane and that we would serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray you'd raise up more volunteers. God, I pray you'd raise up more people to sing in the choir, more musicians to play in the band. God, I pray you raise up more workers for children's church. Lord, I pray you raise up more volunteers for food and clothing, for greeting, for ushering, more volunteers to work with the youth, God. I pray that you'd give us a heart to serve you so that this community would know that we love you and we love each other. God, I pray that you'd be glorified in everything that we do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.